Good morning. Will you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing. Speak to us by your word in this time of Advent. Amen. The Old Testament scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. Hear these words. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathath, who are the one of little clans, the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall serve secure, live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be the one of peace, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. generation to generation for those who are in awe of God. 
of the wondrous birth. We will open our hearts that love may have a place to dwell. And the people said together, with gratitude for your light, O God, we will prepare to welcome the new birth of your love. I don't know if you can picture it or not. Uh, maybe the family living room, much like this one, right? Grandma and Grandpa nursing their eggnog. Um, everyone wearing their Christmas attire. And stockings are hung by the chimney with care. Uh, the Advent wreath is aglow. And the tree is decorated with lights and tinsels, those red little beads that the cat grabs and they fall apart and everything. Uh, you name it, there is uh, gifts wrapped and prepared and under the tree, but something is missing. Something from the scene is missing, and it is the nativity scene is gone. A small child army crawls across the corner of the living room. A blast illuminates the kind of silhouette of the manger. It's like a scene out of Saving Private Ryan as shells hammer left and right. Toy soldiers crawl around baby Jesus. There's a camel on the hill, and out of the right hand comes Mary, Mother of God. What is that? Literally, Mary, Mother of God. Comes into the scene, moves in, and this was my childhood. I don't know if it was yours. But the crush, the nativity scene, was not a holy piece of furniture. It was an addition to my G.I. Joes, in addition to tanks and Jeeps and Hot Wheels and X-Men and you name it. It was to be played with and enjoyed and encountered and manipulated. Um, so I built this a few years ago for my boy, and uh, it's a little scarred up because he too would take Mary and make her climb all over the place. <laughs> and it was such a joy to watch my son, who was two at the time I built that, sort of play with the little pieces and see what they did. And he'd ask questions like, what's this one? What's this one? And what's this one? And that became a, a teaching moment for me as dad to say, that's Joseph, or that's Mary, or that's the baby Jesus. And then the nativity scene became something not necessarily holy that you didn't touch way over there, but became something that you engaged with and played with. And nativity scenes, right, they come in sort of all shapes and sizes. You can spend as little on one or as much as you would like. 
Uh, my parents had one from Israel uh, that was made out of olive wood, and it was beautiful. And that thing sat really high up in the house, right? That was not the toy. The other one, right, was like made of this, these plastic figurines, and that one went on the buffet, and that was one that we could play with and enjoy and uh, get to uh, mess around with, and it was a joy. But all of this raises the question for me, personally, like, where did this whole entire thing begin, right? Like, I doubt when Jesus was uh, born, there was a nativity scene in every house, <laughs> right? Uh, Jesus is like, you should make a nativity scene about me. Just do it. Uh, no, like, they all have, like, a definitive starting point in history, right? And so the, the first nativity scene that we think about historically was really by St. Francis of Assisi, the guy who was, like, the patron saint of animals and stuff like that. He preached to all the birds, Uh, This guy started a living nativity scene. And so uh, he created this uh, recreation of the scene with like a donkey and people would sit in and play the parts of Mary and Joseph. People would come and see a living nativity. And that's really where it began. And then from there, it evolved into what it is today. And still furthermore, different things are uh, a mix, right? You can buy inflatable ones now and put them in your yard. Uh, You can create your own. It's all exciting. We did have kits they're still in the mail. They're in League City. They will be here. And then you too can have one that you can take home and put together and tell a story about. Over the past few weeks, we've been rehashing the different traditions of the season of Advent and Christmas. We began the first week talking about the Advent wreath and that tradition. The second week, we talked about hospitality and welcoming people in. Uh, and being hospitable to the stranger and foreigner. And the third one, we, uh, we talked about the Advent calendar, where I went on a tirade about how great Lego Advent calendars are, and you should all buy one. Uh, Advent calendars are fantastic. They help us count the days to Christmas. And this is uh, our last um, week where we talk about the traditions that shape and form who we are as a community. And we talk about the creche, which is a, a fancy word for nativity or manger, right? You use one of those words, we'll know what you're talking about. It's great. The little figures of Jesus, that also works. I hope you all have one at home. So we've been talking about how to use these together as a family. And some of you throughout the week have uh, come up to me and uh, had some feedback about the sermon series, and I really appreciate that. You said, we used to do that too when we had little kids at home, or that was fun with little ones. But I think if we only ascribe the Advent wreath lighting or the nativity scene, or the advent calendar to practices we do with little children, we are missing the point of the practice. We are all a part of the family of God. And uh, if you heard the baptismal covenant right there, our definition of family is broadened. We are all brothers and sisters together. And so the family practices we do are not necessarily about you and your spouse and your little itty bitty ones at home. It's about what we do as a community of God, as a family of God. We participate in these practices and they shape and form who we are as a community of God. One such practice that we've been doing during this season, we've also been practicing reading the lectionary. And some of you were here last week, that's all right. I'm gonna tell you what the lectionary is again for those of you who missed out. And those of you who were here last week, just nod your head and smile as it's a nice recap, right? The lectionary is a prescribed selection of scriptures. Uh, it rotates over three years, year A, B, and C. And there's usually four readings in the lectionary, right? You have the Old Testament reading, you have a reading out of the Psalms, 
You have a reading out of the epistles or Paul's letters in the New Testament, and then you have a gospel reading. We heard earlier from the prophet Micah, and so now we're going to hear from the gospel of Luke, and that's our passage today from the gospel out of the lectionary. So here are these words from Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. All right, we got ourselves a Christmas story, finally. Still no baby Jesus, no snow, no wise men, no stockings, no Santa Claus, but I'll take it, right? A Christmas story, a pregnant Mary, that counts. It counts for something, so we're going to run with it. It's good. Um, So some observations about this text. First and foremost, you have Mary, right? And she goes to visit a woman named? Some of you were listening. Very good. You didn't know there was going to be a test. She goes to visit Elizabeth. And uh, I didn't tell you that whole story at the very beginning. Our passage that we read falls in the middle there. Uh, Elizabeth is old. She is barren. She does not have a child. And yet, here she is, miraculously pregnant. And the juxtaposition of the story should jar us, right? You have an old, barren woman who is now carrying child and a young, unwed teenager also with child. The story is the story of opposites. The story is a story that says this should not happen. This is very strange. God doesn't necessarily work in this way, or maybe God does work in these ways. And the first thing that I see in this story is it doesn't matter if you are young or old, God can use you to work miracles. Notice how Elizabeth is a a blessing to Mary, and notice how Mary is a blessing to Elizabeth. Both are willing servants of the Lord. And likewise, another point about this story, which maybe to our modern ears doesn't surprise us, but it would surprise anyone reading this for the first time in the ancient world, is that the heroes and protagonists of this story are women, right? They're not manly kings. They're not mighty warriors. You have an old woman 
and a very young woman, and they are faithful and heroic women. And it's, uh, if you're reading this for the first time as a Jewish male, right, if you're reading this for the first time as a, as a man in ancient Near East, you read the story and you go, oh, I must have, I must, this must be somewhere else. Like, I, I forgot the beginning of the book. And you'd kind of skip, this is chapter one, y'all. Chapter one begins with two women who are faithful to God's call on their life. And it would jar most of us because this is a story about the marginalized. It's a story about the least and the last of those. It's a story about the smallest, littlest tribe in Israel who is the most faithful to God. It's a story about old women who have longed for something and God fulfills their need. And it's a story about young women who don't know what the future holds and God fulfills their need. It's a story about faithful women. You'll notice as I pointed out a little bit earlier also that Jesus, right, is still nowhere on the scene. Santa Claus, the reindeer, not there. Um, Jesus, not even there. Just maybe like this big, perhaps. Like a little peanut, right? Is that what you call it? Uh, he's just maybe, right? He's, he's, not, he's not there. And so people will talk about, and we heard Myra explain a little bit earlier, there are certain ways to set out the nativity scene at home. And me, I'm more like the person that knows the law and then... Uh, likes to break it because it's kind of fun to watch people's reaction. Uh, but you can do whatever you want. Uh, you know, most people won't put out baby Jesus, right? They'll hide him. They'll keep him somewhere else because he's not in the story yet and you need to tell the story. And so the first people to show up are maybe Mary, Joseph, maybe the ox and the sheep and, I don't know, other animals are there first. I don't know. I wasn't there. Maybe you were. Uh, so... You know, Mary and Joseph show up, and then maybe the shepherd, or, or maybe baby Jesus shows up. Baby Jesus usually shows up on uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And then the shepherds show up, and the wise men come sometime later. It depends on which gospel you read and all those things that you put them in the order. Uh, so there is a certain way to set up the nativity scene. I think what's important is that you have a nativity scene, and you get to tell the story with the little pieces to folks who ask questions about it. That's the power of the nativity scene, is it allows us to tell the story. So, I hope that point's understood. You don't need to put it in a particular order, but you can. Feel free to. All right, lastly, another observation I have about this text I think is fascinating, right? Is they are in Bethlehem, right? This is where they're going to be heading to in the next couple days. Um, And when they get there, Mary is unwed. Mary is uh, pregnant. Uh, A lot of people, when I was in youth ministry, they would ask, uh, how old is Mary? Uh, Great question. The text does not say how old Mary is. We know that Mary is probably not as old as Elizabeth, right? Mary is probably a teenager in all likelihood. She's probably as young as 12 and maybe as old as 16 or 18. We're not entirely sure. But you talk about faith, and this is an example of it. This is what God finds, a woman who is faithful. And Mary is an example of that. And then eventually when they come to Bethlehem, right, we heard earlier Pastor Peter talked about uh, how this was Joseph's stomping grounds. It was their hometown where no doubt there were cousins uh, lingering about in town. And they go about looking for a place to stay, but there was no room for them. I wonder why there was no room for them. Could it have been that Mary, the unwed, pregnant teenager shows up at the house of cousins and family and they say, oh, hi. Yeah, our guest room is 
full. So sorry. Uh, try Uncle Jimmy's down the street, Mary. So good to see you. And they close the door and they leave it at that. Like, this is the black sheep of the family, right? And hospitality is not being extended. Mary is looking for a place to stay. It's a fascinating story. And in it is mixed with faithfulness, unhospitable people, hospitable people like Zechariah and like Elizabeth, um, people who experience joy and peace. And you know that song that we like to sing around this time of year, the Mary did you know that your baby boy? I love this song. I love the things that it brings up to us. Um, and it leads me to sort of think about these things, and this is what I want us to leave with today as we think about the nativity scene and the folks who gathered there. And we sing, Mary, did you know that your baby boy? Yes, Mary knew about her baby boy, right? An angel of the Lord told her so. Yes, Mary knew. I think the temptation, the question that Mary wrestles with is, does Mary believe it, right? Does Mary believe that her baby boy will bring peace, joy, love, and all those virtues? Does Mary believe that God has really blessed her, as she said? So I wonder, do we believe that today as well? Yes, many of us know that the candles stand for peace and love and joy. We know the nativity scene. We know the story. We know about all the pieces we put out. We know what order they're supposed to come in. But do we believe it? Do we believe that the whole entire reason of Advent, the whole entire reason of Christmas actually makes a difference in our life? Do we believe that peace, love, and joy transform who we are, that it transforms this community in such a way that God is able to work miraculous things in Lake Jackson and in Texas and the world because of our faithfulness to him? I think Mary struggles with that. And she comes to finally a surrender saying, yes, Lord, I believe it. May it be done unto me. And so may we have the same posture as Mary, the mother of God, and receive openly what God would have for us during this time of Advent. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.